And we're away. And we're away. Hi, and welcome to this special edition of Season 3 of Ear Movies Murder Ballads. And today's a special episode where I'm talking with uh, Trevor Brown, the composer, performer, and field recordist uh, for this season. Um, and I'm really excited about this interview because uh, we talked about after last season and we, we discovered cellos that turned into boats and two-hour recordings of uh, road trains in the Western Desert. So um, I'm curious to see what you pull, you'll pull out of one of your many hats um, tonight. So I'm glad you said many hats. <laughs> You are a man of many hats. Things out of, yes. <clears throat> yes, yes. How are you anyway? I'm good, I'm good. Yes. Yeah. Sitting here in my little studio, uh, graciously support, supplied by the Inner West Council. We're an artist in residence in this little cottage in Lilyfield in a park next to a canal. That's beautiful yeah. and lovely space to have this completely unrehearsed interview. Yeah. 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 You're sitting amongst all of my toys. Um, and you have many toys. And hats. I just saw a whole pile of hats. And that's, that inspired my hat reference. <laughs> but, yeah, we had the air raid siren and the, we've got the zither down there and tambourines. And is that some kind of – what's that one in the corner? Oh, that's a um, – just a, I don't know what it is, it's, but it's a resonator. I, I, I attach it to a, trans, a transducer and turn it into a speaker. Okay. So I've got the, the, well, that's all wired up, uh, raspberry pies and things that actually the guts of the thing that I exhibited with um, Cassandra Purcell at the Chrissy Cottier Gallery because we're remounting that in Wallara. That was the sort of tree sculpture that you listened yeah. to. That was amazing. Yeah, and these other panels up here, they're also by Sass. They're wax and wood. The sort of a project waiting to be find the inspiration to. Finish. Well, they look great. Yeah. yeah, and there's 16 of them. It's a big grid of the, which are of wooden speakers. Wow, wow. Anyway, we we we've digressed already. <laughs> okay, well let's um let's sort of think about the overview. We we went in a different direction from the music of season two. Do you want to have a bit of a talk about what your thought thoughts were in terms of getting ear movies more to becoming movies for your ears? Yes, so just more of a continuous soundtrack. I can't remember who said this, but it was um, composing for theatre and seeing sound design as lighting changes and lighting states because your ear gets tired of just hearing melodies and, and to compose 45 minutes of continually changing melodies is sort of distracting from the actual, the real thing, which is the story and the reader. And so, so I was exploring more the idea of a sort of sound design, uh, comparing it to theatre lighting states so there'll be a mood for each scene uh and there may be a melody but it's not something that's meant to be arresting it's just meant to be sitting there in the background saying this is a different theme or this is a light motive for this character or uh yeah so that's that was sort of sort of more of the approach and then also because each one's about 35 and 45 minutes long uh the music is supportive as opposed to um driving the um narrative because it's all there in the excellent reading and writing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Once again, a complete range of different kinds of music. Let, let's let's leap into um, the first the first one in the in the season, which is just the two of us, read by the brilliant Brian Dore. How did you go about that? That's got a couple of distinct things in it, but it, but it starts off with that little um, kind of almost jaunty piece, uh, and and indeed, spoiler alert, finishes with that piece, which is kind of separate from anything else that happens in that story. Um, so that's the gruff 
detective male detective character is. So I've given him a ca- an instrument that is his theme, which is the baritone saxophone, and so um and then sort of you know leaning to some of the uh, you know fifties or seventies Australian cop um, films. So giving this is a bluesy um, jazzy uh, baritone sax line was his theme. Yeah. So there's early in the in that piece there's a a dream sort of sequence or a remembrance sequence where he's talking about the spray of um shotgun pellets the, the bank hold up scene yeah and so then i took actual well, things that were very similar to shotgun pellets and then sampled them and then turned them in via sound design into this magic tinkling sounds and so that they became sort of the theme of the magic in the in the piece Um, and that one also had, there was a, you know, there's a few environmental things like there's a rain sequence. And so just trying to, um, and then also just the patience of them sitting in the stakeout waiting and waiting. So just trying to keep it all measured because there's a definitely a climactic moment at the end, which was um, a feast of, uh, uh, like there's about 18 different lines of music and things and sound design and sirens and effects and things all going through that. It's, yeah. One thing that I'm very fond of is trying to find the music that's in non-musical objects. So, for example, the shotgun pellets and then sampling them and taking the frequencies that come from that and then mixing them in, in other ways. For me, it's like getting inside the objects. These objects are sort of um, essential to the, mm. to the story. There's also that sort of underscore of it's almost like police radio chatter or something. It is actually police radio chatter. It's actually from, from Ultimo. Police radio from the 90s. It's just somewhere up online. And it actually is talking about street names. But what I've done is granularized it and then made it so that it's constantly feeding back on itself. Yeah. And then takes out all the specifics. Anything for us? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, one. One copy. Passion. Yes, radio. We can. Squad. And that sets it very clearly um, in the world of their car that there's they're not just two people sitting in a car that in fact there's there is a background reason for them being yeah. there. Yeah, and I had to remember because the the there's um doing the foley stuff in it as well where it's um, windows going up and down, remembering who was sitting on which side of the car in each sequence. So when his window goes up and down, it's got. You know, it's, Sometimes it's to the left, but when he's in the driver's seat, then it's on the right. Things like that. I have to. And when the door closes, which side it's on. So anyway, so listen with headphones. Yeah. So lots of fun. Magic. The magic of sound. Like it really makes a difference. And there's a bit of a sax line in there as well. Um. Oh, because of the the um guy they're actually waiting for, who's a bit of a loose unit. He he's um a, a sort of a, almost a element of chaos or something. Um, Howard Shaw is a film composer. Uh, well, definitely the, the notable one that I, I think I was referring to blatantly is the um, Naked Lunch soundtrack, Cronenberg film, where he um, he invited Ornette Coleman, who is my saxophonic hero, sort of the um, 
inventor of free jazz in a simplistic way, but uh, he has a very distinct style. But he he plays in the Cronenberg on the soundtrack of the Cronenberg film. And he just turns up, didn't listen to it, that is played. He recorded and then he left, and it's just beautiful sound. So I was so I was alluding to that. And then at the end, we return back to that that single um, gruff police officer's theme as well. Almost like the whole story is in gone back, gone around a full circle, and but it's also almost back to normality again. That's how I felt it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it goes, it, yeah, he's... Um, Experienced the magic and lives with the magic. Yeah. Probably, or doesn't understand the magic. Like it's a repeat of something that's already happened in his life and he's just gone back home to his it's wife. It's back to normal. <laughs> Which brings us to the second episode, which was uh, Down Among the Dead Men. When you told me about it, I was really intrigued to hear what you come up with, which was just using drums. That was inspired by the, um, the soundtrack to Birdman. The um, Michael Keaton film, where he's like an ageing actor who played a character called Birdman. and. Um, and I have a funny story with it. The Sydney Festival were having it out at the Paramount at Riverside Theatre. And Antonio Sanchez, who's the composer of the film, he did it all on drums. He was performing the soundtrack live to the film. And I got a call at uh, about six o'clock from a friend who was the stage manager saying that they'd hired all the drums for him and set them all up, but they were missing a snare stand. And I was the only musician she knew. She said, do you happen to have a snare stand? And I said, well, yeah. She said, we don't have one. And Antonio Sanchez, who's considered to be one of the best drummers in the world, he's arriving in 20 minutes. Can you get to Parramatta in peak hour by 7 o'clock? <laughs> so I just jumped in the car, drove out there, met Antonio, who's a lovely guy, and then watched the show um, with him playing on my snare stand. <laughs> Anyway, so I got to see it up close, and it was very enthralling seeing someone do it live. And such a musical drummer, like he plays jazz stuff and rock stuff, and like he's very capable, very musical drummer. Yeah. But I realised it without playing an actual drum kit. I, I did it all via um, samples and chopped up recordings of free jazz playing. So it took me a long time. I wasn't happy with it. I had to put it away for a while because I kept on thinking, oh, it should be something else. But then I came back to it after doing a several of the other ones and found the way through with it. And I think it works quite well because that's also really well read. Oh, that was Nancy Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just sort of like the, the main sort of uh, sassy character portrayed. Like it's just different versions of uh, a sort of groovy beat. and then free jazz for the weird bits. I, I liked how in, for example, the, um, the scene at the museum where they open the chest of, the, of all the beetles and other invertebrates eating the bones and... Uh, and when the doctor started talking about that, there was a really nice sense in the drums of the sort of the decay and the horror and the, all the, yeah, the smell and everything in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it worked out quite well. I was quite happy with that in the end. 
um, struggled with it, but um, there's so many different ways of recording. And so I'd like to um, actually really, like for the those sort of decay things, I was, you know, I was thinking of microphones inside the drums and things and contact mics directly on the surface. And so I was tr trying some of these techniques, but they just became actually distracting from the story, which is not the point of the music. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I like Reggie Roundtree, the, that detective character, and I like how you could imagine her marching here, there, the cadence of the drums that were leading her possibly in her own head even. So she's one of the characters. There's a few characters I haven't quite let go of yet. They may coalesce somehow in a, in a new story, um, but we'll, we'll come back to that later. The, the next one in, in the season is uh, Live and Let Die, which is the one set in the 1970s country town of Reedy Creek, read by Catherine McClements. What were your thoughts on this one? Did you go for the nostalgia of the 70s or you go for country or where did you? It's a combination of double bass, celeste and pedal steel guitar, which is a really bizarre combination. So I just thought I'm just going to work with that as a sonoric idea. So it's sort of, there's lots of, because it's all, a lot of it's remembered. So the dream state comes from the uh, um, celeste. Famous from the Nutcracker Suite. Yeah, alluding to that even in the in the piece to the Tchaikovsky, and then but then this bizarre and incredible instrument, the um, pedal steel guitar. I didn't play a real one for this. So um, this is a very, very good sample of uh, pedal steel guitar. Um, and there, so it just worked with the limitations of those instruments. I mean, that's the, the um, like a compositional exercise. What can I actually eke out of those things? And I was quite happy with them. They really it did quite go places. But what was your underlying sort of driving uh, concern? Was it the time, the place, the, uh, the drama? What was What was sort of leading the music i guess it, 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 there is a sort of sense of nostalgia but then also trying to get trying to transform that sense of nostalgia into what happens in the story which is quite dangerous and creepy and then so keeping those balances um and trying to achieve the same effects without you know you can always just go for some low brass or something like that but can i do it all with just a celeste and a pedal steel and a and a double bass, um, so it was just yeah trying to look at the flexibility in composing with with you know just three elements um, and using each instrument to their fullest. Next, the next episode is God Save the Queen, and I think you had a bit of fun with this, uh, the sound of it. Was, it sort of starts with the, you know, the orchestra tuning up, and I think that fits in well for the, you know, the, the lead into any kind of story, but particularly one that's set um, in the Sydney Opera House after a particularly vicious murder. Yeah. 
For me and you as well have spent so much time in that place. Getting the sound design right was really important. Um, and so I went in a few times to record the sound inside. It took me a while to organize, but um, luckily it had some you know, shows in there. So I had to go. So I was able to get permission to go and walk through and record things. Um, yeah, just the closeness of the corridors and the way the air conditioning is and the, the, the air is sort of dead in these hallways. It's so, everything's so muted. So I recorded them, but then it doesn't necessarily translate, so then I had to recreate them. That old thing that sometimes when you record it, it doesn't actually sound like the thing you've recorded, so you have to go and record it some other way. Yeah. But then getting location sounds as well around Circular Quay and the ferry hoops and things. Um, It just puts you definitely in a place. You know, the, the sound of place is very specific, so... Faking it with something else is, um, is um, I mean, you can tell. Mm. But I used to see it all the time in like Tarzan films where they have kookaburras, you know, because they're just using a wildlife soundtrack in the, in the thing. And it's like, well, they're in Africa, there are no kookaburras, you know. I used, um, oh, the clarinet is one, a theme for one of the characters. And then it comes back in the end. And then was using a lot of um, uh, composite orchestral sounds to to keep it um, understated, but then rich. And then I also did a similar thing that I did with the police radio. And so whenever they referred to opera, I just recorded a whole bunch of different opera pieces and then had them all granularizing and then so you can't it's hard to tell which exact opera it's from the eeriness of the apparitions and things like that was there any special specialness in in that um, yeah i mean it's a, it's a slight reference to the the tristan and his older theme from wagner which is sort of famously throughout music theory, the way that he does this particular modulation in the middle of the phrase. So it's sort of like that in reverse, just alluding to that, not even specifically, but just sonorically, that sort of slightly chromatic uh, contrapuntal sort of expression that sort of is unresolved because there's no, never really any resolution because even even when he, um, uh, everything that happens, he's still, he's still not sure that it actually really happened. There's a definite eeriness there, and I think it's that lack of resolution in that in that sound that yeah heightens that. I think it's really evocative. I think Michael Bates did a, a great job of reading that. That's one of those standout readings. I mean, they're all fantastic. Each one bring, brings their own thing, but um, yeah, he did a very good job. And once again, I just try to keep out of the way of the reading. I mean, that's what makes the movie so interesting is is that it's not a radio play, and it's not it's some, something between. Yeah, yeah, that space between an audio drama and just a straight narrated story. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, like, this season compared to last season. I really enjoyed some of the the sort of specific themes, I guess, that you created last season, which we only used as sort of interstitials between um, sort of different acts, Um, whereas, whereas because this season was a lot more sort of underscores, it didn't have those necessarily 
sort of identifiable themes as such. So I kind of I kind of miss that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was more rather than themes, it was moods. And to be honest, given given time and money, I'd love to be able to explore a combination of of both those. But we had that original idea that we were going to have the the music prior to the reading, so that the reader would have some sense of what it was going to sound like, and so it would feed back into their performance. And time and money precluded that happening. Um, but it'd be love to be lovely to be in a space one day where where we <laughs> yeah, had I that mean... <laughs> that luxury. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I was saying, yeah, give them to me. And while I'm on tour in Europe, I will sketch out some ideas, which you know mm-hmm. didn't really in- happen last instead year. Instead, he <laughs> got COVID, languished in various submarine <laughs> tunnels, and and ate seafood. <laughs> That brings us to um, one of my favourites, which was Help, which I think it was one we did talk a little bit about, and it was about really there's the, the such distinct scenes and distinct characters in that episode, um, and I think that's really sort of reflected in the in the music as well, and some of the seediness and tawdriness of what the of uh, what the reporter. Uh, finds when she's talking to various people, and uh, and so how, where were you? Where were you going in terms of composing when you listen to that uh, story? So well read by Nadine Garner. Yeah. So the whole thing is based on the um, pathetic Beethoven piano sonata number eight in C minor, Opus thirteen. So the piece is 45 minutes long, but the pathetic 13 minutes long. And I stretched it to make it 45 minutes long. And so you can't even tell that it's that sonata. And then based everything on the structure of, of that sonata and fitted it into the um, storyline. It becomes like a, 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 um, a, a structure and a background colour. And it fits almost perfectly. A few little nudges here and there, a bit of artistic license. But then, um, because all the characters are sort of so pathetic, and um, and uh, and so I um, use that as the basis for harmonic change, and and also uh, um, for the whole thing. So the whole piece, like it's a forty-five minute long stretched out version of the Eighth Piano Sonata of Beethoven. It's almost like a, a drone at times, it's so slow. Then over the top overlaid various things, like and the different characters. Yeah, and then so using that, then I just you know would add other things. Had another little ornate common tribute to myself um, um, in certain sections, and then took you know the the sound of the waves that 
It ends, it ends with the waves, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like in the old house, they actually put it through a filter so that it sounds like it's been played on a vinyl record and then there's an old clock that's hidden in the background. Um, and that brings us to our final story, 16 Lovers Slain, um, Samuel Johnson reading. And what were your thoughts on, on this one? Where, where did you go for that? The hot summer, the serial killer, um, the underscore of potential danger lurking. That was the first one you sent me, I think. I think it was. I think it was one of the first ones that uh, I recorded, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was sort of quite literal with the main character, you know. That's another story that I haven't let go of yet, the mystery of, of what happened to Penny, the woman who he nearly came together with and then disappeared so abruptly to be replaced so abruptly. Um, yeah, I think I'd like to explore that more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I decided I would do the whole thing on piano. Like that would be, This would be a study on how to make it just using the piano as an instrument in the same way that the drums were for the other one. So then, you know, I had recordings of cicadas and I was similarly digitally, um, granularly treating them so that it became a tone um, because once again, you know, like, okay, cicadas, it's a cliche in a way, but then I thought, well, actually, I can make that on the piano. So then I had the piano emulating the cicadas. And then made um, there's three themes. So one one is the um, and sort of the the love theme, and then there's the um, sense of impending doom theme, and and then it's sort of com- uh, there's one for the other character because they all end up combining together in different ways. So the final thing is like a fugue between these three themes. I mean, what was interesting through this um, process is that I did find myself watching a lot of real crime stuff on YouTube as supposedly research. (laughs) 
and and so I, it's, it's like it's, it's taking a really long time, but I have to not watch another three hours of that stuff tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, thankfully, you know, it's it's all been finished, and I've you can erase your algorithm, so I don't get sent every minute of the day more true crime. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. I think that's been very illuminating. And, of course, there are so many things, even having listened to the story so many times now, that I didn't pick up, but I'll go back and listen again and see if I can hear some of those things. They become so much more like ear movies like we talked about, and I really hope that um, we can continue to explore that and, and, and see what comes next. The whole thing is actually, um, I'm traumatized by this. I'm from, because I actually did a whole university essay on Beethoven where I spelt his name wrong every time. Yeah, no, it's just like, oh no, I've only, all I've got to do is just the final thing, but I'm just going to, before that, just maybe I'll change my mind if I watch another hour of real crime. Fake crime is much better. Most of my best work's on the cutting room floor. In my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's been very illuminating. All the things you didn't know were in there and probably don't care about. Yeah, there you go. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Aren't we clever?